Welcome to Dad Life 360, helping dads grow in faithfulness to God and their families. This is episode 20, covering chapter 9 of Steve Farrar's Point Man. I hope this podcast finds you doing well, and I also hope that you are preparing your heart and mind right now for what will be game one of the Western Conference Finals between the Dallas Mavericks and the Golden State Warriors. I know this is not what this podcast is about, but I, I just I just got to give a shout out to my Mavs. If you haven't followed the Mavs, and you probably haven't, I feel like a lone wolf out here following basketball in a, in a football, baseball town, etc. But um, y'all, this is big for me. Let me enjoy this. The Dallas Mavericks have not won a playoff series since 2011 when we went on to win the championship. And so that means I have, I have an 11-year-old daughter, and I told her the other day that Dallas Mavericks didn't win a playoff series since you were since the year you were born. And so now they've won two. Uh, they defeated the Phoenix Suns the other night on Game 7 in dramatic fashion. If you, if you failed to see it all up to this point, men, there is still time for you to be a point man. I'm just kidding. That's not what this is about. But there is still time for you to jump on the bandwagon. There is room on the bandwagon for the Dallas Mavericks. Anyway, that's not why you're here. You are here because we are talking about point man, chapter 9, Steve Farrar, and I'm going to actually reference something here that wasn't in the chapter, but I did this on Tuesday with my guys when we were looking at this. I'm going to read you some lyrics and see if you know, maybe, maybe you know where this song is from. Maybe you can tell me the name of the artist. You can guess the name of the artist as, uh, and the name of the song as I read the lyrics. It says, I know a girl. She puts the color inside of my world. She's just like a maze where all the walls continually change. And I've done all I can to stand on her steps with my heart in my hands. Now I'm starting to see maybe it's got nothing to do with me. And so um, if you haven't figured it out yet, this is a song called Daughters by John Mayer. Now I'm going to read you the, uh, the chorus here, and I bet you recognize it. It says, Fathers, be good to your daughters. Daughters will love like you do. And girls become lovers who turn into mothers, so mothers be good to your daughters too. So here's the subject of the song. The subject of the song is he's talking about having an interest in a, in a young lady, but um, he's going getting nowhere with her. He can't. His relationship's going nowhere, and he says, "I'm starting to think this thing doesn't have anything to do with me. That has everything to do with the way she was raised." And so the the essence of the song is about the impact that a dad can have on his kids in the way they relate to others. Um, let me read you another part of the lyrics. It says, you see that skin. It's the same she's been standing in since the day she saw him walking away. Now she's left cleaning up the mess he made. So he's saying this girl, the skin she's living in right now is the same skin she was living in when she saw her dad walk out of her life. And in seeing her dad walk out of her life, she's left cleaning up the mess that he made. And then when a, a young man comes along who wants to be in a relationship with her, she's got this guard built up. And she's, she's got her guard up and she says, no way, I'm, I'm, I'm calloused. And so the, she's been informed to relate to others the way by the way her dad related to her. And so John Mayer, I think, rightly says, fathers, be good to your daughters. Daughters will love like you do. Girls become lovers who turn into mothers. Some others you please be good to your daughters too. He says, on behalf of every man, looking out for every girl, you are the guide and the weight of her world. So fathers, be good to your daughters. Daughters will love like you do. Have you thought about that, man? Have you thought about the fact that you are the guide and the weight of her world? I know that's a lot of responsibility, but God has given that to us. 
And it's not just with our daughters, it's with our sons too. And that's what Steve Farrar's chapter nine was about, was how we can, in the way that we relate to our kids, help them in their relationships with others. Let me read you this. He's talking about masculinity and a word that I struggle to say every time, but I'm going to do my best. Masculinity and femininity. I think I said it right. Masculinity and femininity. And so he says this towards the end of the chapter. It says, fathers, help boys develop strong, healthy masculinity. And when, when the boys perceive themselves as the one who sets the limits, makes decisions, controls uh, controls disbursements of family capital and the administers of discipline. And he says, caution, these functions need to be undergirded with consistent affection and caregiving. And then he goes on to say, fathers, help girls develop strong, healthy femininity by the uh, above actions combined with the personal intimacy and non-sexual physical contact. When the daughters receive the esteem-building attention and intimacy with dad, they learn to feel comfortable with masculinity and will relate well to their male peers. Be able to, they'll also be able to pick a good husband and be a good mother to a son or a daughter. That's from Point Man Chapter 9. And so he says, Fathers help boys develop strong, healthy masculinity. Fathers help girls develop strong, healthy femininity. And he used the, the verse reference that he used was from Ephesians 6, 4, which we've talked about many times. And that says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And so the way that he presents this chapter is that it all falls under that same category, that we're not there to provoke our kids to anger, um, but to, to uh, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I'm going to share another quote with you before I get into some of the kind of the how-tos that he said. He's talking about spending time. I had an interesting situation with one of my kiddos this week. One of my daughters was homesick from school, and I got up early and got after it and uh, was in my office most of the day and looked up, and I went right through lunch, had meetings and everything, and, and it was about 2 o'clock before I actually reached out to her and said, I knew she's homesick, and I said, hey, are you okay? Do you need me to bring you anything? And she texted me back and said, yes, you. I miss you. And so you can bet what happened next. I packed up my stuff and went home and, and checked on the princess and make sure she was okay. But it reminded me that she didn't need things from me. She needed me. When you're sick or otherwise, you need to have your dad in your life. You need to have other people in your life, but in, especially with our kids, they, they need us, man. So I'm going to read you this quote that goes right along with that. This is from Point Man, uh, page 190. It says, I think that what children in the United States desperately need is a moral purpose. They're getting parents who are very concerned about getting them into the right colleges, buying the best clothes for them, giving them an opportunity to live in neighborhoods where they'll lead fine and affluent lives and where they can be given the best toys, go on interesting vacations and all sorts of things. Parents work very hard these days and they're acquiring things that they feel are important for their children and yet vastly more important thing vastly more important things are not happening they're not spending time with their children at least not very much and that was a quote from a guy named Robert Cole but it was like I said in in this week's chapter 9 of point man and so Steve Farrar gave us six ways that a father can embitter his children working counterintuitive to helping them be the young um, becoming the young man a young woman that they need to be these are things that would embitter, embitter your children that you don't want to do. First one would be overprotective. 
just not giving them any room to breathe. And they're, that makes them feel like they're not, they can't have any trust, they can't have any room. And so being overprotected is one way you can embitter your kids against you or as Ephesians 6, 4 said, provoke them to anger. Another one would be to play favorites. You act like if one kid is the perfect kid in your in your house and, and they're not. Kids pick up on that. And so we need to embrace the uniqueness of each one of our kids and not play favorites. Um, another one be habitually discouraging to them. When I was asking the guys on Tuesday, I was like, how does this happen? How do we become habitually discouraged to our kids? And, you know, the guys were, were really honest. They said, you know, it's hard not to just get into these patterns where you're just saying constantly critiquing them for things and not ever offering any words of encouragement because you feel like it's your dad to uh, feel like it's your role as, as the dad to step in and say, Hey, you should or shouldn't do this. But we've got to be careful that we're just not nagging them and they feel like there's just nothing that they can do uh, to please you. And so habitually discouraging them is one way that we can embitter them and we don't want to do that. Another one would be to forget that the child is growing up and has a right to his or her own ideas and does not need to be a replica of his or her father. They are not us. Um, they are not made to be us. They're made to be who God made them to be. And that kind of goes back to the being overprotective. Just, I don't know, we call that a helicopter dad or whatever, where you're just right over them. And, you know, one of the things I shared with the guys, when we think that that kids are growing, supposed to grow up to be us, we are disillusioned when they do something, say something, or face a challenge that we're not familiar with, and we end up, I've, I've heard it a lot of times, well, I don't know how to deal with that. I've never dealt with that before. Well, you're dealing with it now. So suck it up, get to know your kid, not know yourself through your kid, and figure out what's going on with them, and and not look at them as, as a replica of yourself. Realize they're growing up. They, they do have their own ideas, and those are good ideas. I think, you know, one of the great things for me having grown kids now is realizing and embracing the fact that they have things to teach me, that they have ways that um, they approach life that I'm not as familiar with, definitely things in their life that I'm, that I'm not as good at as them and they've, they've been able to share with me. But, you know, my kids are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That means the Holy Spirit lives inside them. And so when they come to me with something, uh, they, can, they can challenge me about some area uh, they can give input on certain areas, and that's something that they ought to be able to do. And I shouldn't forget that they're growing up or grown up, as is the case in some. Uh, another thing would be a way to embitter them was be to neglect them. How does neglect happen? You think, well, I, I, I wouldn't neglect my kids if I'm listening to this podcast. Well, I hope not. But sometimes we can get so, so frustrated that we end up being a, a pouty pants dad. Really, that's what it comes down to. We we get mad at them. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to make wrong moral choices. They're going to blow it. And when they do, you can get so disappointed that you just withdraw. I mean, that's not an option. It's our role to be the initiator of uh, resolving conflict, of going back to them. Sometimes we need to apologize. I think we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, but we we can't neglect them, not for any reason, not because you're on a work trip uh, uh, all the time. If you're on a work trip, call home. There are ways that you can stay involved in the lives of your kids and not neglect them. Another one was use bitter words or physical cruelty. Uh, the obvious one of these is physical cruelty, but calling kids names. Uh, we are typically better with words than our kids are because we're more experienced at talking. So, man, you gotta, you and I, we got to be careful that we don't embitter our kids against us. We can't unring the bell on words that we use. I, I learned a long time ago, and I guess I'm still learning, that especially little girls, they're not, they're not ready to hear 
dad's big voice sometimes. I don't need to be a drill sergeant with them. I need to be softer and, and watch the words that I use and the way that I use them. There was another section that talked about four ways that we can be tender with kids, kind of on the opposite side of that. It said, listen to them and respect their feelings. Um, like I said, a moment, we're going to get to this. It says, clearly admit any wrongdoing toward them and ask their forgiveness. Now, tell you something I've been guilty of. Me and, and uh, one of my kids can have a disagreement over something and I lose my top and then I go in there and I apologize for my part. And I say, hey, I shouldn't have raised my voice at you. I shouldn't have said what I said. I was talking out of anger, not out of truth. I apologize and that's all good. But then right there at the end, I'll say something like this. But you shouldn't have blah, 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 blah. Now, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying in, in, in the but whatever is true, but it completely negates the apology. Uh, they're not going to hear the apology when I add that but on the end. They're going to withdraw. They're going to you know, start thinking about what they've done wrong. And that's not the purpose of an apology. So we need to clearly admit any wrongdoing that we have toward them and ask their forgiveness. He also said, listen to your wife's input about each child. Wives tend to be more emotionally in touch with their kids, uh, with our kids than we are. Uh, they just seem to know what's going on. And I do not know what I would do if I didn't have my wife to tell me, hey, you're being kind of hard here. Or, you you know, Steve Farrar gave the example of one time his one of his daughters was up late, you know, making a bunch of noise and he was ready for bed and he'd had a long day. And he said, I'm going to, you know, yells at her and says, I'm give you however much time you're going to be in the bed. And she did, and she went to sleep crying that night and because uh, her dad was been so hard on her. And then he talks to the to his wife, and she says, you know, she wasn't just staying up late. She was getting ready for something the next day. She's got a really hard day tomorrow, and she's getting prepared for that. He didn't have the context. He didn't know what was going on. And, and of course, you know, in the in book, he goes to say how he goes and makes that right, and that was a really turned into a really good example and a good thing. And she got to go to school the next day knowing her dad loved her instead of the fact that he yelled at her the night before. But, men, we don't have all the information much of the time, and your wife is a great resource to go to and say, hey, what do you think's going on with so-and-so, one of the kids that's, that's got, before you you and I go in there and try to be decisive and, and you know, playing like we know everything and got all the answers, we can seek the input of our wife for the situation. And then the final thing he said for ways that we can be tender with our kids is to be high touch and dispense uh, liberal doses of encouragement to them through hugs and uh, being around them, a pat on the back, a hug each night uh, before bed and, and each morning before they go off to school. I reach over uh, every every time I drop off my 14-year-old daughter, grab her by the head and kiss her on top of the head. I don't care if she's eighth grade and everybody doesn't think it's cool. I'm not trying to be cool. I'm trying to be affectionate to my daughter. So if you haven't didn't have that done to you, then get over it and start doing that now. I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that because I love you, men, and I want I want you to have a thriving and great relationship with your kids. And so hug them. I mean, if you haven't ever touched them, start with a handshake, whatever, wherever you got to start, but work up to where you can give them liberal amounts of physical, physical affection from you so that they're not starved uh, by it and, and have to try to seek it somewhere else. You get what I'm, get what I'm saying there. I hope this has been a helpful uh, chapter to y'all, and I hope that you and I will continue to look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, and the implications of that just go on and on. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And uh, the main goal of all of this is how Steve Farrar ended his chapter was, we want to raise our kids in Christ. 
We want them to know the Lord Jesus. And if we make that our goal, then we will work in these ways of tenderness and we won't do these things that wear them out or embitter them against us. Raising them up in Christ is the goal and it's the method that we get to approach. The Lord Jesus laid down his life for us so we get to lay down our lives for others. The Lord Jesus shared his wisdom with us so we get to share his wisdom with others. He is our model and he is our method. So I hope this has been helpful to y'all and I sure do appreciate y'all listening. Let me say a prayer for you and we'll be done. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for the men that are here in this podcast. God, I thank you for the great privilege it is to be a dad. And I pray that uh, each and every one of us would feel the weight of uh, responsibility that we have as dads, but that we also not be crushed under it, that we seek you as our heavenly father to be our God, that we know that there is grace for us in everything that we challenge from the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for always being with us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.